No mai whakarongo mai. Welcome to The Policy Fix, a podcast by the Policy Observatory AUT. Ko Kerry Mills tēnei. Today I'll be speaking with Dr Peter Skilling, Senior Lecturer in Management at AUT, about his research into what New Zealanders think about inequality. Tēnā koe, Peter. Kia ora. Thank you for coming along. Thanks for having me. So just to begin with, what kind of inequality are we talking about here? Straight away we're into the complexity of the issue because... Um, people mean a whole lot of different things when they use the word inequality or when they talk about equality. Um, Within the research and the data, people talk about inequalities of income, which are quite easy to think about, you know, how much much the rich versus the poor get in their take-home pay each year. Um, But at the same time, it's also important to think about inequalities of wealth, that if you, you might be on a low income, you might be on a pension, but if you've accumulated a lot of property and wealth over the years, then the fact of having a, a low income for a couple of years um, might not be a problem because you've got the wealth that can lead you can let you um, ride out those difficult times. So there's a whole lot of technical distinctions within the literature and the data. The way that I think it's more useful to think about um, different ways of talking about equality, and this is where I think people get to when they think about these issues, is you can talk about equalities or inequalities of outcome. You know, the fact that there is a gap between rich and poor just in terms of the, the resources and the stuff that people have um, and whether we should equalise that and try to ensure that everyone's got a certain amount of stuff. Or you can talk about equalities of opportunity, which is to say that it doesn't matter so much whether people have got um, the same amount of stuff. What matters is that even people who are perhaps poorer should have the opportunities to make some choices and do something with their life. And that's... I guess the basis for things like a public education system and a public health system is to ensure that people within our society have opportunities to make choices around their life even if they're not particularly rich or wealthy. And do New Zealanders care about inequality and if so which kind of inequality do people generally care about? So I think all of the research that that I've seen shows that New Zealanders really do care about inequality. Uh, If you're looking at public opinion data from polling companies and research projects, if you ask the question, do you think there is too much inequality in New Zealand, you'll get a really strong majority of New Zealanders saying they think that the gap between rich and poor is too large. They would prefer to live in a society that is more equal than, than what it currently is. When you do focus groups and interviews, so that more qualitative research and talking with people to tease out exactly what they mean by that, there are some real differences there, sometimes just based on the, the personal situation of the person that you're talking to. But I think if you, if you push, you'll find that most New Zealanders have some commitment to the idea that there should be equality of opportunity, that we would like to believe, New Zealanders would like to believe, that even if you don't come from a privileged background, that there is still enough opportunity out there for you to make some choices, work hard and get ahead with your life. It's obviously true that you can't easily separate out outcomes and opportunities. You know, the things you need in order to have opportunities are some of those outcomes. You can't have, oppo- can't have opportunities if you don't have enough money to provide food on the table and to heat your house and to be able to go to the doctor when you're sick. So it's not like they're two separate things. But when, when you push people they're not too concerned whether 
a CEO gets a lot more money than a cleaner for their job. They're not too concerned whether people who have saved up and bought properties have a lot more in terms of assets than people at the lower end of that distribution. What people are most concerned about is ensuring or at least believing that all New Zealanders have some opportunities to make something of their life. So you're saying that New Zealanders care about equality of opportunity probably more than they care about equality of outcome. Yeah. Why do you think that is? What's the underlying problem with inequality of opportunity as New Zealanders see it? Well, I think that talking about equality of outcome for many New Zealanders is quite um, threatening. Because to jump ahead a little bit, if you, if you accept that equality, existing inequalities of outcome the existing gap between rich and poor, if you accept that that is a problem in and of itself, then you're forced to think, well, what do we do about that? And the, the answers that come to mind most quickly for people are an increase in tax, an increase in welfare payments of political redistribution. And many New Zealanders find that threatening. Uh, if you're wealthy, then there's a clear threat to your own situation that you might be asked to contribute more through taxes. If you're in the what's sometimes called the struggling middle, where you are paying tax but not really receiving too much in welfare, then you feel um, you feel in a double bind that you are potentially going to be asked to pay more in tax, but you're not going to get anything out of it for yourself. Whereas when you talk about opportunities, there are you know the sorts of government spending that New Zealanders really strongly support are forms of spending that benefit everyone, I suppose funding the education system seems to promise benefits for every New Zealand child, every New Zealand family. Supporting a public health system does something something similar, it's there for everyone. And I think those are the sort of, you know whether that's strictly true or not in terms of how things work out, I think that's what allows people to strongly get behind them is this idea that there's going to be a benefit for everyone. So do New Zealanders think that we have equality of opportunity? Well, this is the interesting thing. I mean, the, the phrase equality of opportunity comes up in the literature. Um, left parties, so Labour parties around the world, during the 90s made a shift from pursuing, stating that they were pursuing equality of outcome. They gave up that goal and said, no, what we're interested in is equality of opportunity. And so that's become a bit of a phrase that people talk about. But with a moment's thought, and, and this is not from the literature, this is just when you talk with people about it, it's very clear that there's no equality of opportunity, that if you have more money, if you have more assets, then you have more choices as to where you send your kids to school, over the sort of uh, opportunities that your family can access in terms of travel and cultural experiences. You have choices that you can make around how you organise your healthcare. So it's really clear that there's no equal opportunity within New Zealand. Um, but that doesn't pose, in my experience of running focus groups and doing interviews, people don't get too hung up about that. People don't seem surprised, you know, when, when you have that sort of discussion. What's important to people, because opportunity, the idea of opportunity is important to people, but what it seems to be is the presence of opportunity. The fact that there are, that, that there is a public education system in New Zealand that people like to think provides decent opportunities for everyone. You might not have the same resources, you might not have the same opportunities as at a private school. If you go to your local low decile school, you're not gonna have the same 
opportunities and resources. But New Zealanders like to think that there are some decent opportunities, that all kids who go to a state school will get a decent chance, they'll get a decent education. So you've met at the ground of uh, what people think about inequality. What do people think about the solutions for it? Well, this is where it becomes difficult, I suppose, and I've sort of alluded to some of this already, that if you ask New Zealanders, do you think there is too much inequality? Do you think there is too much of a gap between rich and poor? They'll generally say yes. But if you add on to that question, do you think the government should take steps to reduce inequality, perhaps through raising taxes? There's something about the idea of the very word taxes that just cuts support for that the support will just radically reduce when you introduce the idea of taxes. And so it's these concrete ideas of um, people support reducing inequality in an abstract sense. They think it's a nice ideal, but when you get down to the details of how you might do it, people are not convinced. Um, and then there's a whole bunch of interesting ways in which the conversation will go after that. People often say, well, the government should do it in an ideal world, but I'm not sure that I trust the government to be competent or to be efficient with how they do it. And so it may be, for argument's sake, that people are saying there should be less inequality and that should be achieved by people working harder or that should be achieved by the people who are currently poor making smarter choices with their life. But certainly when you introduce some concrete ideas, people uh, respond negatively to the idea of paying more in tax. People respond negatively to the idea of there being a more extensive bureaucracy, supporting a welfare state to support people. And so this is where the conversation sometimes gets a little bit um, stilted and people are not entirely sure how they think this more equal society that they say that they, that they want, they're not quite so sure how that should be achieved. And a lot of the research, a lot of the qualitative research leads in that direction, that people like it in the abstract, but they're very easily persuaded that it might not actually be possible to achieve the equal society that they say that they want. Could you, just to set the context a little bit, uh, tell us a bit about the research that you do and how you do it? Okay, so I was working on a project that ran for a number of years and it had a number of different phases. Um, there's been a bunch of survey data um, which all got to the same point where people supported, stated a preference for a more equal society, but they weren't quite so sure about how to achieve that. I actually ran a, another survey to fill in some gaps around what people thought around opportunities and things like that. So I ran another online survey. Having done that, I engaged with about 35 members just of the general public in one-on-one -on -one interviews. And then I brought those uh, those 35 people together in three separate focus groups, so about 10 to 12 people in each focus group. Because what's interesting is not just what people think when you're talking with them one-on-one. -on -one. What I found really interesting was the way in which people explain what they think, how they explain their perspective and their position to people who don't necessarily share that position. We spend a lot of time in our life talking with people by and large who agree with us, and a lot of things can just be taken for granted. But I was interested to see how people justified and explained their position when they had to, when they had to explain their perspective to someone else. So that was, I guess, the center point, the central point of the project were those three focus groups looking at how 
different ideas played out when there was contestation, when there was a back and forth and some argumentation around that. Um, and then I finished by interviewing, I forget the number, maybe 15 or 20, if you like, expert figures who had uh, a different form of knowledge about the issues. Uh, so what did you notice in those dynamics in the focus groups about the, how the conversations operated? Well, for me this was the most interesting part of the research because even within the focus groups, I, I started, them, started the participants in the focus groups off with questions that were addressed to them as individuals. They each had a little worksheet in front of them because sometimes it's easier to talk about your ideas if you've written them down, if you've had a little bit of time to think about what it is that you really think. So we'd gone through that exercise, we look at um, the range of incomes, of earnings within a company. And so we'd established that most people in each of the focus groups, normally nine out of 10, stated a preference for a more equal distribution of earnings. They normally felt that the CEO at the top should probably earn less than what they thought she was, and that the cleaner at the bottom of our, of our organization, they thought that the cleaner should be earning more than they thought that he was. They expressed a strong preference for a more equal distribution of earnings, for a smaller gap between the richest and the poorest within the organization. And everyone knew that, everyone knew because we had a process of people sharing what they thought. So everyone in the group knew that nine out of 10 supported a more equal distribution. But then when the discussion started, all it took was for one person to say, well, that's really nice, and I wish that things could be more equal as well. But you need to remember that the reality of the market is that people just get what they're worth in the market and there's nothing much we can do about it. So that's just how it is. And even though that person knew themselves to be in the minority because most people had expressed their preference for more equality, even though they knew themselves to be in the minority, they expressed it with a lot of confidence. Hey kids, this is just the way that it is. And once that view was out there, people, it felt that people didn't really know how to respond to that. People felt like they wanted to argue back, but they weren't quite sure. And so there are a lot of moments in the focus groups where people would say things like, well, that's unfortunate. I wish we could do something, but yeah, I, I, I get it. I guess that we just can't. And so people seem to give in quite easily to this idea that even though most of us would like our society be, to be more equal, giving in quite easily to the idea that it might simply not be possible given the nature of the market economy that we have. And why do you think that is? Do you think that's about people not having the economic literacy to argue their points? Yeah, I think a number of different things. I mean, the first thing to say is it's not a totally crazy thing to say. It's not totally crazy to say, well, the market is the market and there's nothing much we can do about it. Um, I mean, of course, the market is only the way that we create it, the, the way that as a society we decide that things should be organised. And so if it turns out as a society that if we don't like the way the market operates and the outcomes that it generates, then presumably through government or through civil society action, we should be able to do something to regulate it or to change it. Um, but of course, it's not quite so simple because if New Zealand decides to change things, there may be some negative reaction from overseas investors. All of that is true, but it's, it's not an easy thing to change. It's not like you wake up one morning and decide that you'd like to change the market and you do it. So it's possible 
to affect change, but it's not easy, I guess, is the problem that they were getting at. And it just felt that in society at large, there's just not that imagination or that theorization of how the market works or how society works or how policy is made. Um, you know, history shows us that amazing, positive, progressive change is possible within societies. You know, when apartheid seemed entrenched or you, know, you look at the civil rights movement in the States, there are so many times where societies looked at how things are organized and said, we don't like that and we're going to stand up and, and make change. And so if society genuinely feels that when we don't have a fair society, that there are certain people who are just shut out from opportunities and accessing the sort of advantages that we think everyone is entitled to, then of course there are ways in which civil society can put pressure on government and, and affect change. But it takes a certain amount of imagination and it takes a certain amount of knowledge to do that. And uh, from my point of view, some of the ways in which that knowledge gets disseminated, which might be through political parties, or it might be through unions, you know, through New Zealand history. The union movement was one way in which workers could, if you like, have access to knowledge or ideas around um, how power operates within society and how workers can exercise their power to affect change. Union membership is very low in New Zealand at the moment and our political parties have by and large given up on strong ideas of changing the system. They don't really talk about class conflict. And so I guess it's not surprising to me that when people are confronted with an argument that says the market is as it is and there's not much we can do, I, I didn't find it totally surprising that people would fairly easily give into that and accept that as, as a decisive move. And do you think there's anything to be done about this sense of hopelessness about our power to change things that we see are wrong? Well, I think it's a really important question, right? Because I think if you get into a situation where you feel like you don't like what's happening, but you feel powerless to change it, it's almost a recipe, almost a definition of depression. You know, if you feel that you have no agency to change things that are really important to you or that are really important to your life, that's not a great situation for anyone to be in. Um, and so it makes sense to me that people would say, oh, well, there's not much we can do. You know, you just deal with that cognitive dissonance by saying, oh, well, just make peace with, with our current reality. There are lots of groups out there who are committed to a fairer New Zealand where everybody has opportunity and where the wealth is uh, shared, I guess, more fairly. And I think where there are people with imagination and people who care about uh, how things are done, there's always hope and there's always uh, always possibilities for change. I think we'll finish it there, unless there's anything else you'd like to say. I think that's fine. Thanks, Gary. We've covered it all, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much. Okay, thanks.